0: the day is over but the night has just begun this is wtmj nights live from the annex wealth management studios at the avenue here's your host brian noonan good evening welcome so glad you are with us 855-616-1620 is how you get a hold of us via the old national bank talk and text line If you call in, you'll be talking to Matt. He's executive producing the big broadcast tonight. And if you want to text us, here's your text question of the night. Because we are at the halfway point of the football season. We're going to be uh, talking to Brandon Snide in a couple minutes on Tundra Talk. But at the halfway point, what are your thoughts on the Packers thus far? What are your thoughts on the Packers thus far? And I say thus far because it sounds just a little fancier than so far, but it both, they both mean the same thing, and I sound a little pretentious saying thus far. But rarely do I get to sound pretentious. So I will take that opportunity whenever I can. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talk at text line. Uh, we are here for an hour. It's a shorty short show because, uh, Brewers Weekly is coming up after that. We got a lot of things to do and a lot to get to. We are going to go over because I have to, I'm going to call Brandon out on this and maybe some of you will text in with this thought. Brandon came out on Sunday, even though the Packers had lost to the Steelers. Uh, And he said, "Well, this was there was this a good turning point. Things are looking up." And then I read something in the uh, in the Journal Sentinel, and I read some other pieces that say, "Hey, we saw some flashes in the last couple weeks. Things are looking up." So I want to find out what, in fact, is looking up, and is this rebuild season paying off? Because everybody has said this. We've said it on here when we've been talking to Brandon uh, that. You know, everybody knew that this year was going to be a little rough for the Packers. A lot of first-round picks, a lot of rookies, uh, inexperienced receivers. Jordan Love's first full season, uh, some injuries that have plagued the Pack. So the expectations were not super high, but I don't think they were as low as things had started off for the Packers. So now, as we reach the halfway point, We've got the uh, they've got the Chargers coming in on Sunday. We'll talk about that too. And uh, you know, it's just going to be uh, it's going to be rough uh, for the rest of the season. But like I said, I'm curious to see what Brandon uh, thought were the uh, the highlights and flashes of hope because we all know with any sports fan, hope springs eternal. You never want to think that your team is completely done. Unless you're a White Sox fan. Uh, then you know your team is completely done. But pretty much every other team hope spring's eternal. And you just, keep, uh, you just keep going. Matt, do you have any big, uh, what's, uh, what's on your sports plate this weekend? Last weekend you were busy, busy, busy. This weekend busy, uh, busy? I'm still
1: busy, busy, busy. Got another uh, Bucks in Six Minutes on Saturday, taking on Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks. That'll be a marquee game. It'll be second leg of a back-to-back after they take on Charlotte in the in-season tournament tomorrow, which is nice. uh, creating a lot of opinions, the in-season tournament, the jerseys, the courts, the why are we doing this all separate from each other. Um, so we'll see how Game 2 goes. The Bucks are 1-0 in the in-season classic. And then uh, have a couple of basketball games next week uh, down in Bloomington, Illinois, and then Thanksgiving. So... Nice yeah. to spend time with family and then another bucks and six minutes on Black Friday when they take on the wizards.
0: very nice big plans for thanksgiving i have not uh I have not really put much thought into it because we're going uh we're doing the same thing we did last year We're going to a my brother and his girlfriend are members of a country club and they moved to Michigan and uh, so we're going to the country club for Thanksgiving which I like going to Thanksgiving at a at the family member's house, you know, because then you you don't have to get all dressed up. You you know, I don't go in sweats and a T-shirt, but I don't have to be in a sport coat and tucked in shirt and all this. So we got to get all gussied up for the country club. And then, uh, you know, that'll be fun. All right, listen, it's time. It's time to talk about the Tundra. Tundra Talk on WTMJ Nights. It's time for Tundra Talk on WTMJ Nights. Here's your host, Brian Newton, with Brandon Snide. Yes, I've been talking about this all week because I was following Brandon's tweets. And you can follow Brandon Snide's tweets as well. (laughs) You can also listen to him every morning on Wisconsin's or Wisconsin, however you pronounce it. You know where it is. It's Wisconsin's Morning News. Uh, Brandon, welcome. Glad you're here. We didn't get to talk last week because the Bucks were playing on Thursday. How thoughtless of them to interrupt Tundra Talk. Uh, I saw your tweet on Sunday after the Packers Uh-oh. lost to the Steelers, and you were you were more optimistic than I uh, than I thought you would be, and that I understood. You were talked about there. There was flashes of hope. There are good things to come out of this loss. Would you please explain that to me? What good came out of the loss on Sunday? Well, I
2: think, Brian,
0: you got to look at the big picture. And I
2: know we're in a world where everybody needs instant gratification. we got to see wins. And if we don't win, it's the worst thing in the world. And I get it. But this is still a very young team. I know we've talked about it ad nauseum. (laughs) Uh, But they look like... They looked like they started taking a step, Brian. And I know they beat the Rams 20-3 to the week prior, um, traveling out to Pittsburgh. Look, the Packers haven't won there since, like, the 70s. Like, it's been right. a long time. So, Favre didn't win in Pittsburgh. Rodgers, he beat Pittsburgh, but he didn't win in Pittsburgh. Um, so, it's a tough place to play. And I thought that the young Packers went there and, looked, responded right off, right off the bat. I mean, the Steelers go all the way down, marched down the field, and... What seemed like they were cutting warm cheese, you know, with a knife, just straight through through the Packers defense, sixty yards on on the ground on that on that first drive. But right. then the Packers responded right away. Like that was encouraging to see. It was encouraging to see Jordan Love kind of just like his coach says, just rip it, just throw it. Yeah, let he it go. did look a little more um, relaxed, he didn't thinking. he? Right. Yeah, he did, and I, and that's kind of where the tweet, uh, the basis of that tweet is because look, <laughs> the defense. The defense is what the defense is, and and it's probably always going to be. They didn't play the worst game, uh, but they also gave up over 200 yards on the ground. So I mean, you know, they didn't they didn't necessarily put their the team in a position to win uh, like they should have, especially against an offense in Pittsburgh that isn't very good. But as far as the offense goes for the Packers, Jordan Love looked good. Jaden Reed made a ton of catches. You know, I know there's some issues with Christian Watson and the timing and the rhythm and the chemistry between him and Jordan Love. Luke Musgrave had a few big catches uh, down the middle of the field, one to the sideline. This is just what you wanted to see. You wanted to see, okay, we know we're not going to the playoffs. You know, that's kind of out of the picture. We, we definitely know we're not going to the, the Super Bowl, and we, we probably never were going to. If your expectations were that, I don't know, you know, what you were thinking. Yeah, but, you
0: were smoking something. You know, yeah, yeah you were. Just,
2: you just, you wanted to see, okay, give me something that gets me encouraged for the week after and, and the following weeks. And I thought on Sunday, Jordan Love in the offense provided that, Brian. I really do. It was encouraging to see him. And I know he had a couple interceptions. I wouldn't mm-hmm. put either one of those interceptions on him, especially the last one. You could argue the first one right. to Christian Wazen. But he was going out and he was making plays. He was using his feet. And it was a little bit, when you're watching, it was less thinking. And just him, you know, like his coach says, just more just ripping it, letting it go and and stop trying to place the ball perfectly. Uh, To the receiver and just just throw it, just play football. And I thought it was a good step. And look, the offensive line played really good too. You know, you can't. I wanted to bring up, yeah, I wanted
0: to bring up the tackles. The tackles seemed because we've been talking about that all year. the The line not being as strong as it should be, but Zach tom and Rasheed Walker both did pretty well against guys who were proven rushers. Zach
2: Tom, I believe, was the fourth rated offensive tackle according to pro football focus. And he was going up against arguably the defensive player of the year uh, and former Badger TJ Watt, who's who's probably if not the best defensive player in the last few years, he's up in that conversation. And Zach Tom is a fourth round rookie or excuse me, fourth year, second uh, second year guy. And he held his own Brian like that. He he didn't give up a whole lot. He gave up one sack. And I would even argue that's probably wasn't even on Tom. That was more on Jordan love than anything. But nonetheless, you're absolutely right. The tackles held up. Allen Jenkins looked good. John Runyon Jr. looked good. Pass protection was great against a really good – this is a really good Pittsburgh defense. That's the other thing. we talked. I yeah. talked about the offense showing something. That, that's a really good defense that they were going up against in Pittsburgh, and they responded to right away, you know, being able to score points right away, something we haven't seen. That was the first touchdown, Brian, yeah. that the Packers have scored in the first quarter since week one.
0: I was going to bring that up next because we talk about that every week, too, that the Packers in the first half were not scoring points. They were getting behind, and then it was all in the second half. So it was nice to see, like you said, right out of the blocks, getting some points on the board.
2: Yeah, and I think when you're looking at at the end of the year, you want to look back and be able to see, okay, what did we learn about Jordan Love? What did we learn about guys like... Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, Luke Musgrave, Jaden Reed. Did we learn anything about our offense line that we didn't already know? They're more of the season group uh, on offense. Um, I'll tell you one thing I didn't like. Um, I didn't like Aaron Jones in this one. I, I just didn't like. He had a rough day. I, I don't know. Yeah, he just seemed off. Like it just and it happens, right? Like we wake sure. up sometimes and it's just not our day. I feel like that was was him, Brian. If I got to look at a negative, I I feel like it was you know. He catches that ball at the end of the game. There's about 25 seconds left. He doesn't get out of bounds. I mean, he doesn't even gain a yard. So I don't. I don't know why yeah. he. Yeah, you know, I think he was just in his head thinking he could extend the play, which clearly, obviously, he did not. But it just didn't seem like his day. Um, and so you, but you already know what you've in Aaron Jones. So at the end of the year, you wanted to be able to look back on these weeks and be like, okay, from week one to two to three to four and so on, what changed, what got better, what got worse, and over the last few weeks. Over the past three weeks, Jordan Love has over 700 yards passing. He's got four touchdowns. He's got two interceptions. But you're seeing a a little bit of a progression, a little bit more of a comfort uh, for not only him but the chemistry and and the guys that are catching on the other end of uh, catching these footballs because, again, they are mostly rookies. I know Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson are not, but they kind of essentially are based on how much time they missed a year ago.
0: Before we turn our attention to the Chargers on Sunday – Brandon you you you've been covering the the Packers all week after this after this game was there something different that they did that, that where all of a sudden Jordan Love looked like the guy everybody expected him to be a more relaxed as you said and the coach said just just ripping it out there seeming to have a little more fun was there is there a turning point is it just you know the comfort level keeps growing week to week not just with him but with his receivers and the rest of the offense where did this come from, and is it is it something that you project now will continue to improve as the weeks go on?
2: Well, you know, it's it's been a weird – it's a great question. Um, It's been a weird year for them because in week one, the first half they started off slow. They only had ten points against the Bears in that week one. But then week two there was an explosion, right? They scored, right. you know, all kinds of points in the first half, then they stopped scoring in the second half – then week three, they didn't score in the first half and <laughs> scored all their points in the fourth quarter. So it's like you're looking at this and you're examining this and you're like, okay, what, what is going on <laughs> with this offense? But I think what you're starting to see, to get back to your question, Brian, is an offense that's starting to feel comfortable with their roles, right? I think if, at the beginning of the year, who would you say was Jordan Love's number one target based off training camp it was probably Romeo Dobbs just off the amount of targets and catches. Um, but I think they wanted to be Christian Watson, and he hasn't you know, matured into that yet. So I think now you're starting to see that become Jaden Reed in a way, and you saw it at the end of that game against the Steelers. So you're starting to see guys fill into their roles, and I think that's where where it's coming from.
0: Well, it's exciting. Let's, uh, let's take a quick break. Brandon Snide is here. Uh, You hear him every morning on Wisconsin's Morning News. He comes to us every week to do a little Tundra Talk. We're going to look ahead to Sunday. The Chargers coming into Lambeau. What can we expect? We'll do more of that. It's WTMJ Nights. It is Tundra Talk on WTMJ Nights. Brandon Snide joins us every week to talk about the Packers, the game that we just saw and the game that's coming up this Sunday. These Chargers are coming into Lambeau. They have not been in Lambeau in a while. The Packers, uh, in the history of playing the Chargers, uh, have won most of the most of the contests except the last one. Uh, all right, Brandon, I got to ask the first thing we talked. We already talked, and you mentioned the Packers' defense on the um, you know again, well, all season, but against the Steelers too. Uh, the Chargers' quarterback Herbert is really, really good. Their offensive line with They don't allow. They don't get too much on their rushing yardage. Like I think they're going, like, what twenty fifth in the league for that. But mm-hmm. what's going to be what's going to be the challenge for the Packers defense coming up against Justin Herbert? Uh, you just you, your uh,
2: question has the answer. It's Justin Herbert, uh, Brian. <laughs> when you look at when you look at what he's able to do, not only in the pocket but out of the pocket, um, it's going to cause havoc for a defense that for whatever reason, it still can't get out of its own way. Um, And then you add in Austin Eckler, who not only can he run the ball with efficiency, but he can pass it and he, he, or excuse me, he can catch it. um, And Herbert passes him the ball a ton. So um, being able to contain that and for whatever reason, you know, Green Bay with the screen passes or the running back leak uh, plays, they just, they get lost and, and they, you saw that against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh does not run the ball or throw the ball very well. They were, they were more efficient against the Packers than they had been all season. So when you bring in Justin Herbert, who in my opinion has probably, if you want to talk about best arm in the NFL, he's got to be in the discussion, right? He's, he's as accurate <laughs> as it gets. Um, and I know he has a fractured uh, finger on his non-throwing hand that he's had wrapped up for a couple weeks now, but you know, I think, what presents problems for the Packers is everything that Justin Herbert can do great. The Packers cannot defend, and that's going to be the issue uh, come Sunday.
0: Well, they, the good thing is, for the Packers, the pass defense for the Chargers is pretty bad itself. So do you think if Jordan Love can continue this, I don't want to say carefree, but a more, a more relaxed sure. approach to his throws, that they can start picking apart a defense that is already questionable?
2: Yeah, Brian. When you when Brandon Staley went there, you know it raised a lot of eyebrows. He was obviously the hot commodity that year after leaving, L.A. And you you were like, man, you know, going from the Rams to the Chargers, like that's a lot of talent over there. You know, Joey yeah. Bosa. They went out and got Khalil Mack. You know, they have a solid front seven, um, and even their back uh, secondary is you know, as le- if you look at the names, it's it's pretty good. Um, they just, for whatever reason, haven't played up to par uh, to the expectations that Staley brought with him when they hired him from the from the Rams. So, you know, if you're the Packers, you're still questionable with those tackles, right? You want to see kind of can you build off of it? We In the first segment with you and I, we talked about progress and, and, and seeing good things. This is another good test for the Packers, not only – for the whole team, but for the offense because this is a defense, the Chargers, that you can have success against. Jordan Love should be able to throw the ball around. I mean, they were in a shootout with the Detroit Lions last week. It was a 41 to 38 finish. And I know the Lions are really good and and have a ton of great players. Uh but the Packers can keep up with, you know, the Chargers. This isn't going to be one of those games where, you know, it's forty five to seven at halftime like we saw against the Lions on on Thursday night a couple weeks ago, but you know, I think it's a great opportunity for Jordan Love to continue to build off of that progress, build off of that momentum. And if he can, now he's starting to string together, not just one or two weeks, you know, a month or so of, of good, decent football. And that's what you want to see out of your young quarterback. And you want to be able to see not only Jordan love, but you want to be able to see eventually get Christian Watson, whatever funk he's in right now, Brian, they got to figure out a way, uh, to get him out of it. I hope, you know, if Matt Lafour, if there was a question I could ask Matt LaFleur, why haven't he, why hasn't he integrated Christian Watson outside of the passing game? Last year, he had a few rushing touchdowns. He had those end around uh, against New England, okay. against Chicago, where, you know, he, he took the ball to the house and, and he was able to kind of figure out ways to, to get the defense away from what he was doing. What seems to be all he's doing this year, running goal routes and, and crossers yeah. over the middle. so, you want to be able to see stuff like that, and I think this is a great opportunity for this offense to do that because I don't think uh, the Chargers' defense is all that good. Frankly, the Chargers' team—you never know what team you're going to get, Brian. Because yeah, they've they can been show up and down and, all and year.
0: They lose so two, then weird. they win two, then they lose two. <laughs> I mean, they're just—they're a
2: very weird, weird team. But when you got <laughs> an All-Pro type quarterback in Justin Herbert, and look, let's call it what it is, Brian—the Packers have been unable to to beat. Bad quarterbacks. They just yeah. they haven't. Kenny Pickett's not good, and you allowed the Steelers <laughs> to win.
0: You know right. what I mean? So now I you're like, holy no, cow! So now you got a, a top notch guy. <laughs> we got to see what they can do. Well, listen, I'm going to be looking forward to your very optimistic tweets on Sunday, uh, and listening to hopefully. You're able to back them up on Monday morning, B and your optimism will pay off. People can hear Brandon Snyder every morning on Wisconsin's Morning News. You hear him here weekly talking about the Pack on Tundra Talk. What's your prediction? I have the Packers not winning this
2: one, Brian. I think I've won the last two weeks. Or I not won, but I've been right Correct. the last two weeks. So, like the Packers, I want to I want to build off that momentum. I, I just <laughs> until until the team can really string together some progression, and I know they have over the past few weeks. I still, I'm not buying it. I'm going Chargers 27, the Packers 17. So hopefully a All couple right. of Jordan Love touchdowns to get the 17 points, and, and then I'll be happy.
0: There we go. Brandon, thank you. Always a pleasure. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Brian. Have a good one. Talk care, of you too. all right. That's uh, Brandon Snyder. Listen to him every morning and then read his stuff on WTMJ.com. We got to do this, Jessica. I'm sorry. We're running a little late. We'll get to you in just a second. It's WTMJ nights. Brian Newton, WTMJ nights, 855-616-1620. That's the old national bank talking text line. We're here until eight o'clock. Then after the news, it's Brewers weekly with Dom Catronio. So stick around for that. Uh, I, all right, we got to bring this up because I was, Matt and I were talking uh, during the commercial break, and I was telling him that uh, being a PE teacher is quite exhausting for me. So I've been, I'm, I'm covering a long term assignment for a physical education teacher. And trust me, you don't want to call them gym teachers. Uh, PE teachers are very. And rightfully so. They are, they are educators. They are well trained and uh, they don't like to be called gym teachers. Uh, cause a gym is where you go. Physical education is what you teach. And I believe that. Uh, I am, I am not the, when you think, when you think phys ed teachers nowadays, you probably think of younger in shape guys. I'm, I'm a phys ed teacher out of like a 1950s movie. Where I've got the whistle, and I'm uh, not in the best shape, but I can tell the kids what to do. So I've been doing this, and Matt, you are flummoxed that we don't get to do one of the games that was popular when I was in physical education classes and when you were in physical education classes. Why don't they let you play dodgeball anymore? (laughs) Dodgeball has actually been outlawed for a while. Outlawed? Well, in most districts, you cannot play dodgeball. Now, and it was funny. I was joking with the PE teacher before he left, and he was like, all right, I'm going to ask you one question to see if you're qualified to uh, to fill in for me while I'm gone. And I was like, okay. And I'm thinking, oh, he's going to ask some physiology question. He's going to ask me the technique to climb the rope. He, uh, some sort of Some sort of crazy question. He said, why can't we play dodgeball anymore? And I was like, oh, well, probably for kids' safety. Uh, and probably because dodgeball, if you think about if you weren't good at dodgeball, you felt targeted, you felt uh, maybe a little bullied, you felt less than, you did a lot of time just sitting on the side, not actually participating, because the five or six really good dodgeball players were dominating everything. So it's it's for a lot of reasons, but it's mostly for self esteem reasons that we don't play dodgeball anymore. That and that and enough kids were crying, and they would have that. Remember that you know you'd get hit with the red dodgeball, and they would leave that waffle kind of pattern on your face. That was the best. <laughs> you were probably good at it though, because you got that kind of jock. Uh, that I got, got that jock
1: mentality, but I know people can't see my stature. I'm five four one thirty.
0: That means in the third grade I was. A lot less. Three foot six. But yeah, but you can still be small. Like some of the best throwers in fifth grade are some of the smaller guys, you know. And there, I see we play a game called Poison Ball where two teams are throwing, they're throwing dodgeballs, but they're throwing them at a giant ball trying to get it to cross the plane of the other team. How does that make Uh, the ball feel? Does the ball have low self esteem? Oh, the ball knows it. It's just there to get beaten (laughs) on. The ball is a the, the ball has no self-esteem the ball is just like uh, just a sub I'm there just to hit me beat me I love it um, but you can see some of these kids the way they the, the ferocity which with which they throw at this ball if it hits a person it's gonna drop them there have there've have already been a couple of times now and you take first not, base all right I saw a fourth grade girl get hit full on in the side of her head the other day. Because some of these kids are either being jerks or they can't aim, and this kid threw a ball and she wasn't paying attention, and it hurt her right in the side of the face to the point where I almost cursed out loud because I was so shocked as I ran over to this poor girl who basically dropped to the ground. And I was like, Are you okay? And you could, you know, she's trying not to cry, but the tears are welling up in her. Was that like a bag and paper towel ice pack injury? Do they still have those? Oh, of course we have the. Well, we have. uh, We go to the nurse. The nurse gives one ice cube in a tiny, uh, like a Ziploc bag that maybe you would buy meth in. That tiny little (laughs) Ziploc bag. I I haven't bought a lot of meth, but I'm guessing. Because. I don't think you have to buy a lot of meth, but uh, anyway, the tiny little Ziploc bag and one ice cube—that's what you get. You don't get uh, no. There's no paper towel and big ice pack, um, but you know. Now I don't even mess with it. Go, go to the nurse. So today I had to have a conversation with every class because oh boy. if you send your well, here's the thing: um, children have no spatial awareness. You're a young man, Matt. You don't you don't deal with a lot of children. Unless, you know, you're doing something that you shouldn't be. But anyway, that's beside the point. So every day when we're, we're doing a warm-up, like uh, some sort of tag game or running or, you know, getting every getting their heart rates up before we can play some of these uh, throwing and catching games, and they're slamming into each other. And sla- they're big kids, and I wish I was exaggerating, that in the last two weeks have actually run into the wall not ironically don't give these kids driver's licenses don't give them anything <laughs> keep them keep them seated so every grade today i had to give a, a little talk and i was like don't right, run into listen. the wall <laughs> yes wall is bad the wall is bad look where you're going i had them all sit down and i was like okay when you come to PE, I want you, i want three things for you i want you to have fun i want you to play games i want you to exercise But the most important, the fourth thing I want for you is to be safe. I said, so look around. Can you see everybody that's sitting around you? And they would go, Yeah. I go, Can you see me? Yeah. I go, Then you shouldn't be running into each other. You got to open your eyes. Stop running into each other, because kid, within thirty seconds of playing, kids are coming up crying, and this is all the way up to fourth grade. I got kids coming up crying. Yeah, nine-year-olds crying. What's that? Nine-year-olds crying. They cry, Matt. All the kids cry. We got big feelings at school. Big, big feelings. Kids are running into each other. So I'm like, I am i can't have you. I, I'm done. I don't want you crying and coming up to me. So I would ask one kid to stand up, and I would say, I'm going to touch your shoulder. Is that okay? And the kid would go, yeah, okay. And I would walk by, and I would, like, barely brush their shoulder. Oh, boy. And I said, hey, can you raise your arm? And they'd go, yeah. And they'd raise their arm. i go, did it hurt? No, I go. Can you wiggle your fingers? Yeah, I go. So should this person come up and go, Mister Dude? And somebody ran into me. No. Amazingly, today nobody was crying. Nobody was running into each other. Now, of course, after Tuesday next week, when we go on Thanksgiving break, when they come back, they're going to be running into the walls again. Gotta get a whiteboard of days without a workplace injury. (laughs) That oh, you know what? That's I do have a whiteboard right in the gym you got to make it through a full day.
1: we got to keep a tracker on the show. Every time, you go, every time you go a full day without somebody running into a wall, you put a tally mark on. Matt, outside of a slapstick comedy, have you ever watched someone run into a wall? As someone who's coached youth sports for a couple of years, okay. I, you don't know the things I've seen. And I coach tennis. You give those kids weapons? Oh,
0: dear. Oh, I know. Oh, I don't want them. Like, we play uh, different kinds of tags, and they have these big foam hands on a stick. Uh, it's like a paddle and I am in constant fear that somebody's gonna lose their mind with these paddles like I have to remind them remember we don't tag in the head remember just, if you
1: lose don't smack the other student
0: oh they, yeah they because uh, they'll rat each other out they're screaming and then you gotta go so, to the
1: classroom teacher and then the classroom teacher reports back to you and then all of a sudden you're oh. the you're down on the bottom of the food chain it's a mess
0: I got to write a referral. It's great. Yesterday, a fifth grader came in, and I'm—I think the kids know that they that I care about them and that they you know they can count on me, Um, and most of them do. But I'm also—I don't take a lot of guff, and I watched the the regular PE teacher. He doesn't either. So a fifth grader, one of the kids who's a handful. I'll just say that. Uh, he came in and, uh, yesterday and he goes, hey, Mr. Noonan, can I ask you a question? I'm like, yeah, what's going on? He said, were you ever in the Marines or the Army? And I'm like, why? Do I give off that vibe? He goes, yeah, you kind of do. I was like, well, I was a bouncer for a few years. So he goes, oh, okay. <laughs> so I must be I must be putting out that uh, that drill sergeant energy in PE, and it's not just the whistle. So push-ups tomorrow? Uh, we always have. There's always an exercise attached to the tag game. It's either push-ups or skiers or squats or mountain climbers. Oh yeah, we do a lot of a lot of exercising. Get those heart rates going. I don't uh, listen, Matt. They're not in PE just to lay about. No, they're in PE because you got to
1: tire them out.
0: Yes, you got to get some energy out of them. Get
1: some energy out of them, and then the classroom teacher will either love you. Or the classroom teacher will hate you because either you spend them too much that they fall asleep in class, or you spend just enough that they're attentive for the rest of the
0: day. Let me tell you this: the teachers would be grateful if half of them fell asleep. <laughs> some, of these, some of these kids, you're like, just take a nap and shut up. Uh, that's that's the reality of the situation. But uh, so that that's fun. We'll we'll see how it goes. I do like the wardrobe. I get to wear sweats and a sweatshirt to uh, to school every day, so very comfortable. Uh, but yes, I like your idea. I'm going to start that, uh, class with a number of classes without an incident, without a, or what incident. you should do
1: is create a class competition and whatever class at the oh. end of the term or whenever your fill in time is over, they get to have a free day or a fun day. <laughs> you want to be really yeah, funny? Pick, let's say the games. but let's say the fourth grade class wins. And then on the last day they get to pick their activity then the fourth-grade class chooses
0: dodgeball? Oh, man, are your averages going to skyrocket? There will be no dodgeball. There will be – I can't. I would – listen, I'd like to start a, an underground dodgeball league, like a fight club. That would be fun, you know? You only get the the most ferocious people. And there's – listen, and I'm not saying just boys, because I've seen some of these girls have really good arms. So it, it would be a fun little thing. Now, I don't know if I'd be able to teach again, but uh, – Maybe, maybe when I'm on my way out the door, I start a dodgeball fight club, and we just uh, we just do it that way. All right, I don't know if you had trouble getting coffee today. We got to talk about why you might have on one of the biggest coffee promotion days in the history of humanity. I don't know. I didn't take part in it. We'll figure it out. It's WTMJ nights. Did you try to get a coffee today at Starbucks? It was your store on strike? Yes, today Starbucks. So workers across the U.S. went on strike today, and uh, I guess, well, not I guess, I know, today is the, according to all the news sources, the big promotional Red Cup Day at Starbucks where you get a reusable cup uh, for the holidays. That's uh, That was today, and it's supposed to be a really big deal at Starbucks. And uh, so the union uh, was calling today the uh, the Red Cup Rebellion. yes. The Red Cup Rebellion. Now, listen, I'm I'm always I'm pro union, I'm pro labor. You know, I think uh, people should, I think people should be able to make what they're worth. I think there's some uh, some companies that do take advantage of their employees. Uh, I don't know all the ins and outs of the Starbucks the Starbucks problem, but it's a it's you know. They're trying to get, they're trying to get better salaries. They're trying to get, um, shift, shifts to be covered. Like today, they say on big, on big holidays and on big promotion days that there aren't enough people. Uh, they're asking that on promotional days, the company suspend online orders or app orders because they're not, they don't have enough people in the store to work. And so they're getting all these people coming in, or in the drive-through, and then they're trying to get the app orders placed. And people are getting mad because it's taking too long. So they're they're looking for better working conditions, better staffings, all of that. Um, Three hundred and sixty Starbucks stores are unionized. That represents about ten thousand workers. Um, and there, so they are with the Starbucks Workers United. That started in. 2021. I have not, uh, I don't, I'm not a Starbucks hater, so I'm not, uh, you know, I don't uh, go to Starbucks, so I don't know if any of the ones near me were on strike today. I don't know if when you, if you tried to get your coffee today, if they were on strike. Um, You know, you could argue, well, they're just, you know, they're just pouring coffee. But if you've been behind somebody who's ordering a Triple quad frappuccino, blah 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 with all the adjectives and all the goofiness you know how long it takes it's not just a uh not just an order and if you've ever been sitting in line in the drive through or standing in the store waiting for them to call your name, and you see all these other you you're wondering where you know it's seven o'clock in the morning, this is where um this is where we should have more people, and there's nobody there i can see I can see the workers uh Having a little, you know, having some issues. Yeah. Oh, we got it. Oh, is this a? Uh, is this sound from the actual strike, Matt? Burns deals <laughs> on the outside corner, strike one. Really trying to get you more <laughs> strikes, Yuki. That's what that's what he's doing. I get it. There's enough strikes going on around <laughs> the country. <laughs> that is right, Bob Euchre. There are no, and I like kudos on two levels there, Matt. One tied in with the conversation we were having. Two, teed up Dom Catronio and Brewers Weekly coming up after the news. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right, before we get out of here, uh, a man in Iowa really needs to get a hobby. Well, he has a hobby. Maybe he needs needs something else in his life. He was officially awarded the Guinness World Records title for his collection of 69,255 pencils. Yep. Who knew that someone would uh, collect pencils, and who knew that it could uh, get in the... Guinness Book of World Records. He's from Colfax, Iowa. Uh, he had a public counting event during the summer, and uh, with the help from America Pencil Collectors Society. Wow, there's we learn a lot every day. Numbers wise, I knew it could beat the record. He said uh, it was a lot of work put into getting that event together and doing the whole count. So it's really exciting. He says there are commemorative pencils dating back more than 100 years, advertising pencils, pencils designed to dial rotary phones, and sports pencils bearing team schedules. They are not just number two pencils. So I guess there's a society for everybody. Congratulations. To our friend in Colfax, Iowa. Listen, I gotta get out of here. It's, oh my gosh, we're, we're ready to go. The news is coming up next. Then it's Brewers Weekly with Tom Petronio. I will talk to you again as I look at the calendar quickly. Next Tuesday, we'll be back for some pre-Thanksgiving fun. Matt, thanks for all your help. Talk to everybody. Have a wonderful weekend. It's WTMJ Nights.